0: Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show. I'm Will Gavin alongside me, Michael McQuaid, Gridiron's features editor Simon Clancy. Hello boys! Hello. Mike, answer me one question. When we're in that uh pre-show countdown and music thing, can you see me dancing since the host <laughs> can still see you? Like this is why I love going live, because <laughs> first off, <laughs> how's it
1: for everyone? But like Will was literally going like this. Didn't the whole time, I was,
0: I was having a great time, and then I thought to myself, "Ah, oh, Michael can probably see me, so I quickly flipped him the bird just to make sure that." I enjoyed it. It was it was good fun. It was good fun. <laughs> uh, look, we are now what eleven days away from Super Bowl Fifty Seven. We'll be out in Phoenix, Arizona, to see the Philadelphia Eagles go head to head with the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kelsey Bowl, the Andy Reid Bowl, to just two very good football teams facing off. In the sight of uh, my first Super Bowl and still probably the best one that I've seen live, to be honest, absolutely sensational game uh, between the Seahawks and the Patriots and the first of the latter career three. For Sir Thomas Brady, who today announced that after 23 seasons in the NFL, 22 as a starter, the first of which he had as a losing season, by the way, this past year, despite still finishing as a 19 time division champion, uh, Tom Brady is now retiring for good. That's what he said. And you know what? It seemed like a legitimate message. He genuinely felt emotional. It does feel ridiculous that we're back here having the same conversations that we were having a year ago to the day, literally to the day, the 1st of February last year. But, you know, seven-time Super Bowl champion, five-time Super Bowl MVP, three-time league MVP. He leads the league in every passing category humanly possible, over 100,000 passing yards in his career. He's going straight to the Hall of Fame. He's the greatest of all time, all of that stuff. You know, what more really at this point is there to say, Simon Clancy?
2: Yeah, I mean, we said it all last year, so let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, you could see how emotional he was. and uh, I mean, it must be emotional knowing that Mike McCarthy ended your career. I mean, that would be enough to get anybody upset, quite frankly. Um, And also, you know, losing your marriage to, uh, you know, to, to only go eight and nine and, and, and lose to the Dallas Cowboys in the first round of the playoffs must be pretty harsh. So, yeah. But no, all jokes aside, you know, the greatest quarterback of all time. don't think he's the greatest passer of all time. He's certainly the greatest quarterback of all time. Seems like a really good guy. Um, And, you know, the the longevity and the, you know, the, I mean, as a Dolphins fan who played, you know, watched him in the AFC East year after year, it, the, just the inevitability of success was, I suppose, the most incredible thing and to continue to, to, to do that. At such a high level to continue just to whenever you get the ball last, you know he's going to win. You know, he was never going to turn it over, he's never going to throw the key pick, was never going to, it was always going to score. It was always going to happen. Go back to that Super Bowl down 28-3. I don't think anybody thought they were going to come back, but as soon as that comeback started, he thought there's only going to be one winner here. And that's testament to his mental fortitude and to his ability. And the NFL will be a lesser place. I mean, I'm interested to see what happens actually with the um with the broadcast booth, you know Greg Olson has become comfortably the best analyst in in the NFL, Um uh, and Brady obviously has this huge contract to go to Fox. And uh, and what will happen? Because um, Greg Olsen's doing the Super Bowl; he's clearly the the top guy. And are they suddenly going to, you know, oust him and and put Brady in, or will they have a three man booth? Uh, I'll be interested to see how that works too. So plenty of questions going forwards. But you know, the greatest of all time and an unbelievable career.
0: Tony Romo for comeback player of the year next year after those comments <laughs> from uh, from Simon Clancy. There, he has had a down year though. It's gone like
2: down a couple of years actually. Romo, I think he's sort of mailing it in a little bit.
0: Maybe a little believing of the own hype. Maybe he's maybe. gone down. The, maybe he's gone down the Scott Hansen route. Yeah, that's right. I said it, McQuaid, and what?
1: I have. I've haven't, I haven't said nothing. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's funny. It's funny about Romo. Like he seemed to have more energy last week, but it's like yeah. Oh, gosh! to the, I can't the that, playoffs. Jim. I
0: hope he had some energy. Christ! But, but like, yeah, yeah, but
1: like, go on, sorry, Mike. That was actually we just got a comment from D Tarango on Twitter saying Tony Romo is the worst. So this is the benefits of being live. Uh, I don't know, like, yeah, he he is mailing it in, had a bit more energy last week, but it's almost like he's turning up and he's got like a sheet of like buzzwords
2: and the he honestly, tries to yeah.
1: use each buzzword.
2: You know, when CBS told him to stop calling the plays, that's when he mm. started to go downhill because that kind of enthusiasm about "I know what's coming, here's what's coming, look out for what's coming" and it inevitably did. That was what, for me, made him so special. It wasn't like tipping the picks in the draft. It wasn't like it was just giving you a sort of an idea of what to look for. And CBS stopped him from doing that. I also think the golf thing—you know, wanting to be a kind of a golf pro and just the, the inane, insane amount of practice that must go into, you know becoming a professional golfer has probably hit that as well. But I've heard some stories about the work or lack thereof that he's done in terms of research and those sorts of things. So who knows? But ultimately, it'll be fascinating to see what what Fox do and the decision they make in terms of whether or not they, you know, they they boot Olsen down to the number two chair and and stick Brady straight in. So, you know, and it'll be a, you know, if you've got the number one commentary booth or certainly the number one um, uh, summariser, and then all of a sudden... In another super, because I think they have next year's super on as well, don't they, Fox? If you um, you know, you bump Olsen down and Brady up, and Brady's you know really mediocre or middle of the pack, which I doubt he will be, but you know, you never know. These things don't; these things do take time. It will be interesting to see what the reaction is, especially if if Olsen sort of languishing away with the number two uh, crew. So.
0: Yeah. Um, look, I, I, from the from the Brady perspective, you, you got it right that it's it's the inevitability of success. It was the sustained success. It was the. I, I kind of got into it a little bit today with somebody who uh, works at my other place of work because whilst there were. Uh, there was real enthusiasm to cover the story from most people. I went on air almost immediately and lots of shows are looking to book guests. And like, we've got Shane Vereen coming on with a show later to talk about his experiences of playing with Brady. That's all very exciting. There's one particular presenter who will remain nameless here. But um, if you know anything about the station I work for, you can probably figure out who it is. Who essentially just went, I don't care. Why should I care? American sport. I don't care. Like in the same way that if you didn't love tennis, You'd still appreciate and respect what Roger Federer has done to the point in his career that he's done it. If you didn't like snooker and you didn't like Bellends, you'd still like Ronnie O'Sullivan for what he has achieved and what he has. You'd respect what he has done for the duration of his career. I just, it, I found it absolutely astonishing that it wasn't actually. I love Jim White loves oh. talking. Wow. G- G- Jim Jim White, absolutely honestly, every time anytime Jim White does an interview about the NFL, it's Tom Brady has mentioned at least seven times. Stop writing down names on a piece of paper. I was um, wondering what that noise was. Like, what's he doing? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get me in trouble here. Uh the uh no, actually, n- neither. He's he's gotten really into the NFL the last couple of years. He keeps talking to me about it in the office. It's been very odd. Um, anyway. The uh I, I think like the appreciation for the achievement, for the fact that he does need to go down as one of the all time great sports people of all time, let alone just in the sport of the NFL, which we obviously regularly cover. You know, he won two Super Bowls in his 20s, three Super Bowls in his 30s and two Super Bowls in his 40s. That is honestly astonishing. That, that is utterly and completely ridiculous. No, no, it's oh. still not there. There. But what, what I like about it is it shows just how irrelevant this prick is that he's not coming to mind for you. <laughs> wow. Um,
1: I, I'll, I'll jump on this and add this. I was saying to, ironically, met one of my mates at lunchtime. He's a Patriots fan and was texting him after after it happened at lunchtime. and We both seen Brady play in 2016 and 2017 in Denver. We just went over for the crack and um, sort of thought when we left in 2017, well, we'll not see Brady play again. So to see him, I think for a lot of UK European fans to have the opportunity not just to see him on TV play in Germany, but for a lot of people to see him in Germany. I mean, we we were out there, we had great fun, it was it was an incredible experience. But yeah, it it's sort of shows to his longevity, his honestly, he, he will go down as a legend. And I'm just I, I just feel grateful as a fan even that I've seen him play. Like it's just incredible.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, actually probably the player that I've seen thinking about it one of the most times live, because it's been four Super Bowls, including the loss to Philadelphia. It would have been five if we'd gone to the pandemic Super Bowl, but I just couldn't hack two weeks in a Canadian hotel to, just to be able to get into the country. Sorry, the budget just wasn't going to allow for it. Um, but multiple times in London, Germany, four Super Bowl appearances. Like, I did genuinely stomp. <laughs> I did genuinely get to a point where, uh, like, we were going to the Super Bowl every year and. I was it was almost getting dull having that same conversation of what will a 5th Super Bowl mean to Tom Brady? What will a 6th Super Bowl mean to Tom Brady? And like the Eagles to beat Tom Brady in a Super Bowl had to put together one of the most aggressive game plans I think I've ever seen in a major game in any sport, certainly in the NFL, to go and beat him and put they had to put 41 points on what was a good Patriots defense that year to do it as well. So Huge respect to him. Huge respect to his career. Uh, Just, yeah. Why are you putting us through this again? What I will say, (laughs) in the last 48 hours, I had genuinely talked to myself into Tom Brady to the 49ers. It had been something which I'd objected to relatively heavily over the previous four months, partially because of the uh, the performance of Birdie, partially because I do still believe that Trey Lance has that upside and that, uh, that potential. And, and partially just because, you know, I've gone through years of Tom Brady. I also think that if the offensive line isn't good, he would have struggled whatever team he was on this year. And you saw that in Tampa Bay this year. Uh, but with Purdy going down, with Lance so untested, with Purdy now missing six months after tearing his his UCL, I had kind of talked myself into being okay with Tom Brady in the Bay, Uh, and then he goes and retires. I mean, come on, guys.
1: I thought yeah. he might have went to Miami. Sayon, I was in- interested to see your response earlier on. Just for the crack, imagine he went to Miami, stayed and state for the wife and the kids it would have been funny to see what would have happened. Like, I mean, like the whole off season would have been nuts if he had went to it. Yeah. A, I, I, could,
2: I, could. I think what happened with that is that that, that ship sort of sailed 18 months ago. Um, and I think, you know, the dolphins coming out very quickly at the end of the season and saying two is our quarterback. That's exactly what's going to happen. Um, and, and I just don't think that you could, you know, you can't lead the NFL in passer rating and play as well as he did and be in the heart of the MVP race when he got injured. Um, to suddenly say, "Oh, you know what? We're we're going to replace you for a year with with Tom Brady." That that just would have made no sense whatsoever. I think, um, you know, I don't think Tom Brady can run the Mike McDaniel offense as well as Tua can in terms of the specificity of of those plays, that quick release. Um, you know, the offensive line, especially if Toron Armstead is out, isn't amazing anyway. So, you're not going to be protecting him. No, people, I'm not saying that Tom Brady Tour is better than Tom Brady, but what I'm, I mean, although I actually think probably based on last season, he clearly was. Um, but I just don't think that you know, the, the marriage of a Mike McDaniel offense and how it was run when it was being run at an elite level during the season when the Dolphins were eight and three. Um, would, would marry with, with Brady. So I, I never really saw that happen. I think that was, you know, Mike Florio's kind of wet dream at Pro Football Talk, but the, I think the reality was was it was never going to happen and I think that was quashed then finally by both Chris Guerrero and Mike McDaniel coming out at the end of the season controlling the narrative and saying look Tua's our quarterback that's and really what the Dolphins are looking for is a you know is a is a backup quarterback who can stay healthy so someone like Taylor Heineke for example in free agency would be a perfect Case Keenum somebody that you know who's not you know can come in potentially play two three four games if Tua does get hurt um, and can you know not get hurt themselves the way that Teddy Bridgewater seemed to do every time he went under center? So, no, I don't think Brady was ever going to be an option in Miami.
1: The the one thing I will say, and I'll leave it at this: we'll never see the like of it again. Seven Super Bowls, absolutely ridiculous. Like the, the man, the will man
2: Mahomes is nearly like a, I'm, hmm? Will Mahomes get there? Nah. I mean, f-
0: uh, five AFC Championship, five games, AFC championship already, already in a third Super Bowl of his of his career. Like, uh, will he win seven? No, but could he be a five-time Super Bowl champion? And he's still what twenty-seven
2: going right now? He's twenty-seven, and you know, quarterbacks are staying in the game longer and longer. At what point? Let's say he retires at forty-two. So you're saying that he's still got another what fifteen more seasons? I mean,
0: what what you kind of what you would say to it is you hope that the bengal's the bills can find a way to sustain success with their top tier quarterbacks that maybe the chargers finally figure that thing out as well uh with a, a quarterback who could very much be in that top tier and it's like when it coming back to the legacy thing we were talking about this with the idea of whether aaron rodgers might retire but like people asking the question about guys going back to super bowls guys winning super bowls like it's not actually like Tom Brady has given us a completely new and unrealistic standard for what a top tier quarterback can be and do. There are plenty of career greats like Jim Kelly and Dan Marino who never won one. There are plenty who won just one when you, Probably early on in their career, thought they'd win four or five. You've got guys like Ben Roethlisberger who won two very early in his career and then never went back again. Aaron Rodgers won the one early in his career, went to the second one, never went back again. Russell Wilson appeared in two in his first three years, won one of those, hasn't gone back again, and we'll get on to Denver in a minute. Maybe never will. Like. These guys can be top-tier, Hall of Fame-level guys, and it is very, very hard to get to and win a Super Bowl. Like, it it shouldn't be underestimated how mental it is that he's done it seven times.
2: I've been an NFL fan since 1984. The two best passers of the ball, in terms of not just guys with big arms who can throw it all over the park, but guys who can throw it all over the park with accuracy, with touch, with timing, all of those things, are Marino and Rodgers. And combined, they have one Super Bowl between the two of them and they are the two greatest throwers of football the two greatest passers of football I've ever seen and it's mad to think that in their collective what 30 odd plus years in the NFL that they've only won one Super Bowl so that you know that's the sort of thing where you look at a Josh Allen you look at a Justin Herbert you look at a Joe Burrow you look at you know the young quarterbacks Jalen Hurts two uh, guys that you can throw into that category and think you know there's a long way to go, especially when you've got someone like the Holmes who potentially is on the, you know, is on the verge of winning his second Super Bowl. So it'll be very interesting to see. I, I just think it's in, it's so encouraging, so great for the game that you've just got so many young studs at the position in the league. And, you know, you hope that the younger guys, whether that's Kenny Pickett or Trey Lance or whoever it is around the league, start Jordan Love, you know, start to pick up and uh, and that position really does become as premium as it's been perhaps for any time that I can certainly remember.
0: I, I was asked as well earlier about, where, like, surely come August, September, people will be knocking on Brady's door. And I'm like, trust me, guys, people are probably knocking on Brady's door right now, now that they know that he's likely to have not been with the Buccaneers next year anyway. And apparently there is reporting that he had, that people close to him that he'd said, I either go back to Tampa Bay or I retire. Like, he wasn't interested in a new team, apparently, Mm -hmm. is what he said. But... Yeah, we are at a stage where, yes, there are some unbelievable top tier talents in the position, but also there are probably 16 teams in the NFL who aren't convinced about their starter next season. Like it is, there's a dichotomy between the top end and the bottom end right now. There is like a middle way split in the league, and guys like Jimmy Garoppolo and Derek Carr and these kind of very, very mid tier quarterbacks at best are going to be clamoured after like you wouldn't believe so yeah if tom brady suddenly decided ah oh, do you know what now that i have got a lot more free time now that i you know i'm not being a full-time dad
2: or husband
0: yeah there's lots of people are going to want me
2: i think you'll get calls mike don't you but i just don't think he's gonna i, I don't think he's coming back
1: like genuinely no harm to the crack if he comes back again not nah we're not talking about it again <laughs> unless he goes to the Niners and Will can talk about it for an hour I, I genuinely if he comes back it, it was like like look the, the last thing I will say is I was getting quite emotional watching that video the man was near tearing up you could yeah. see how much it meant to him he, he was he was giving it up he was letting go and you could see that in the 30 second video I think I, I think we're we're done it has to be done surely <laughs>
0: Uh, right, let's move on and talk about some of the other, because there's been other really big bits of news before we get to uh, the you know, little matter of Super Bowl 57. Uh, and, Michael, we have to, of course, start off in Denver because Sean Payton is its not actually confirmed yet, right? They've got the compensation sorted, but he's not signed on the dotted line quite yet. However, it does look like Sean Payton's landing spot is going to be the Denver Broncos, the new head coach. It does mean that over the past two off seasons with the compensation that they'll be paying in this situation, that between the quarterback and the head coach, they'll have given up three first round picks, three second round picks, a fifth round pick plus a handful of players, at least one, maybe two of which were half decent. I mean, Sean Payton, is one of the great offensive and creative minds in the nfl like you see those peter king pieces that he did with drew Brees and sean payton when he was allowed to go to their walkthroughs and just how much attention he pays to the offense and how smart he is at the way he runs it where is your confidence level that this is the right hire to make it work in 2023 and beyond i have never been as
1: unsure about something in my life honestly lads like I'm the biggest jinx ever because I sent you this last night I tweeted out at 6:30 UK time it's 2029. 20, and the Denver Broncos still have no head coach and obviously Sean Payton gets hired that same day which is just out of nowhere as well because there was talk a few days ago that Sean Payton um had missed I think it was Ian Rappaport said he had there's not there doesn't seem, there, there doesn't seem to be a lot of interest in Sean Payton and then it just sort of came out last night um it's intriguing for me in in two different elements first off the Broncos since they won the Super Bowl with when they had Gary Kubiak in and obviously he left for different reasons but whenever you bring in Vance Joseph and then you run it back even though they really shouldn't have run it back but they ran it back anyway first time head head coach didn't work out look what he's doing now in Arizona and look at maybe we'll get into a cycle next year Vic Fangio top class DC didn't work out in Denver but then they bring in the final Hackett and it doesn't work out. And then it went like for a month. And the amount of names that were coming out, you know, there's a lot of talk last week about D'Amico Ryans. It's concerning only for me because of the draft capital that's been given up. And it's not just the draft capital that's been given up for Sean Payton, but it's the draft capital that's been given up, obviously, for Russell Wilson, which at the time in March seemed like a masterstroke because everyone's going, oh my God, Russell Wilson, this Broncos team will challenge for the West. I think they're really. I think there's I'd love to know what the Walton Penner family have down as a marker for next season. What is their minimum expectation? Because as it stands right now, I just don't see how Sean Payton can go in and in the the gusp of six to seven months turn around Russell Wilson to where he was and gain that confidence back in one season. I think it's a it's definitely a multiple season plan, but I, I would love to know what's the expectation is there. Is it a wild card spot? Is it finish second or third in the West and get into the wild card? Or is it push to the West, try and win a Super Bowl in year one? I don't think that's going to happen. The thing that really annoyed me, and this is the second, mele- the second element, and I'll shut up and, get- and hand it over to you boys, is this. It almost turned into like Big Brother, or Love Island, or American Idol on Fox Sports last month. Colin Coward, Sean Payton sitting like this. Yeah, yeah, you know. Mickey Loomis was saying we could do this and do that. I'm like, mate. This is not monopoly. Like I'm sitting waiting for for my, my team to get a head coach, and I'm just glad it's done now and and the talking's over. And yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching the draft and just enjoying it. You know, i I'm, I'm
0: not bothered now. <laughs> so, Simon, you look at all those everything that I, I totally valid concerns and pessimistic fan, and I get all of that. The difference is he's listed Vic Fangio there, who as much as he was a brilliant DC, how many times have we seen a great coordinator not be a great head coach? Yeah. He was a first-time head coach. Yep. Yeah. Nathaniel Hackett, a first-time head coach. Sean Payton has been there, done it, got the Super Bowl, got the ring, bought the T-shirt, had sustained success for the most part with the franchise as well. You know, the cap problems aside, which led to a couple of down seasons, but with a talented Mm. roster, this is a guy who should be able to bring success.
2: It's very interesting. I think if he can resurrect Russell Wilson, then I think he goes down as a good trade. But I think that Sean Payton uh, has gotten away with a a fair amount of mediocrity in his career. And I say this as the, you know, the Saints won the Super Bowl in. 09, 10, oh nine? 09. Yeah. 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 They were at five and seven in the playoffs under Payton, including three home losses and a road playoff loss in a historically soul-crushing fashion with the, the the touchdown of the Vikings. They went to one conference championship game and lost it at home. You know, I, I, he gets an awful lot of credit for having an offense that had, you know, Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara and Drew Brees and Teron Armstead uh, and that offensive line. And you could argue that other than the sort of half a decade when the Saints weren't good at all in Brees' prime and then the half decade where they were blowing playoff games, that actually, he's in many respects a sort of a big, easy Mike McCarthy, in a way. Um, oh. I mean, I, no, I think, uh, look. I think Sean Payton's smarter than that. I do.
0: I, I think he's a better play caller I'm that. not sold
2: the record. I'm not sold the, records, the record shows that. I'm not. Um, you know, people criticize Mike McCarthy for only winning one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. But where's the criticism for Sean Payton only winning one Super Bowl with Drew Brees? I mean, it's a fair, like, you know, we criticise Mike McCarthy, and I'm not saying like McCarthy is, you know, <laughs> Tom Landry or Don Shula, here, but I'm also saying that their records are very similar. They both blew big playoff games. Um, you know, you talk about Green Bay in Seattle, you talk about, you know, New Orleans in Minnesota, big historic crashes at the end of winnable playoff games. Um, and, you know, did so with a whole heap of offensive talent. Now... He can be an offensive genius and he's clearly, you know, like you say, you mentioned those Peter King articles, he's clearly a very bright guy. But at some point, the rubber meets the road. And when you've got no draft capital either, you know, that isn't a very good team. You know, you've traded away your best pass rusher in Bradley Chubb. You aren't replacing him anywhere i just i just think it's um I, I think it's very very interesting that you'd give up a one and a two and i know that was the asking price and i know that head coach is very important but uh, i'm just not sold it's the all singing all dancing jamboree that perhaps it could be but the flip side to that is if he resurrects russell wilson mike then you know you're gonna be singing
1: I think it's funny because, and I Will I think you've uh, you've both hit very much nail in the head there. I think, well, what you said about him, obviously coming in with the track record, I agree. It's great to have somebody in that is, you know, has been there and done that and has actually been to the big dance and won the game. On the the, the grand stage of things, the Broncos in that market in Colorado and outside of Colorado have been the team in that area for so many years, and now in Denver. I wouldn't say they're almost irrelevant, but you've got the, the, the NBA team, the Nuggets, where Nikola Jokic is is a two-time MVP, probably going to win it again this year. And the Avalanche won the Stanley Cup last year. So they're almost panicking this year. And were people genuine? We've seen it all year. There were empty seats in the stadium. Russell Wilson has not worked out and they really bought in, not just on a player level, but on a commercial level to that. Yeah. Like that is the key. Can they get Russell Wilson back? And then they, and then they work from there. You know, they have a lot of questions around free agency. I I really remain to be convinced, but I will be sitting here with my flag in my hat this time next year, please God, getting ready to go to Vegas and watch the Broncos win a Super Bowl. That's that's my hope.
2: Can we can uh, we just say that the 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 Saints who just grabbed a first round pick though puts them in the quarterback hunt because currently the absolutely. NFC South the NFC South quarterback standings, as it were, are Kyle Trask, Desmond Ridder, Sam Darnold, and Andy Dalton, and it's not been very many times where we've been able to say that uh, Sam Darnold is probably the best quarterback in the division, so. Um, yeah, unique situation in the NFC South as well. At quarterback, it is worth saying though,
0: Denver. <laughs> it is worth saying though, that's their only first round pick because of previous trades moving up to get two players in the last three drafts. Where, yeah, yeah there will be question marks over whether they should have moved up as much as uh, I love Chris Olave particularly. Um, and we haven't picked- talked about bounty gate either with Hale. and it's no, no, quite that is a fair point. Um, but it's also pick 29 because it's yeah. the Miami pick for Bradley Chubb, which came from San Francisco in the trade where they trade got Trey Lance. And <laughs> that's the, yeah. So like it, it, it is a, a much traded pick, but it is that 29th overall pick, by the way, amazingly, because we're going to, we'll talk about D'Amico Ryans in a minute. The 49ers now with D'Amico Ryans leaving have the joint most draft picks in the 2023 draft. But nothing in the first or second round. That's I mean, it's stupid. At what? At some point, it's ridiculous and stupid. Um, That's crazy, yeah, isn't it? Just uh, no. It's a fair point on New Orleans. It does give them that first round pick, but you are looking at one of the back end of the of the kind of draft uh, guys with that. And, it, and and you know what? I think that does bring us on to the Houston Texans. Unless you had any more you wanted to, I just want to get throw off your chest to- on a Broncos perspective.
2: I just want to throw a point to Mike about obviously from a Miami point of view, it looks like Vic Fangio was going to be the defensive coordinator. There's now, you know, Tom Pellisaro tweeted on Sunday that the deal was done. Uh, it seems like the deal isn't necessarily done or that Fangio might have reneged on the deal. I know it wasn't signed, but it had been agreed. Um, with his agent, who's also Mike McDaniel's agent, who's also Kyle Shanahan's agent. Rumor that he potentially would go back to San Francisco. Rumor that he's having an interview in San Francisco along with Chris Harris and with uh, Steve Wilkes. But then talked last night on Denver Radio that he was going to to Denver to, to be the defensive coordinator with Sean Payton. But I just... The, the thing for me that I want to ask you, Mike, is that, like, the Broncos have got, comfortably, the best young non-head coach defensive coordinator in the NFL in Isaiah Rivero, why would they get rid of Rivero to hire a man who was sacked by the same team as head coach 12 months ago? That seems to make zero sense. And why would why would Fangio want to go back to Denver to a place where he was he's a very prideful man. He Why would he want to go back to a place where he was canned?
1: And not just canned, but relationships with players as well is one thing. Um, yeah. yeah, like uh, for people listening to the podcast, Dave Logan from Colorado KOA calls Broncos games very for me he's as high up as somebody like Mike Cliss in Denver Media he reported that the Broncos were in, at least communicating with him in regards to that position who knows obviously I'd like to see Evero stay because you could see Evero long term going into the head coaching role in, in Denver but um, you know, the, the defence on a whole was probably one of the more positive points last season for the Broncos so it's it's intriguing I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because in case it does happen we can keep that soundbite <laughs> for the next few weeks but I couldn't I, I genuinely couldn't believe it when I seen it as well. I was like wow because that would, that would be stunning if he came back in that capacity but you could see Evero get picked up somewhere else especially when he refused yeah. to take the job for two weeks whenever Hackett got fired so I wonder why that was but uh, yeah it's going to be interesting and it's great to see um, after a few weeks guys that you know we're, we're starting to get some movement in the head coaching and I know you want to get some D'Amico Ryan's talk about
0: uh, Ed, by the way, on Evero I thought he might be another name that was in the frame for uh, the 49ers DC as well so that was interesting that he hasn't been someone that's come up at the moment uh, if he you know, isn't interviewing for head coaching positions, yeah, let, yeah let's get on to D'Amico Ryan, so D'Amico Ryan's uh, will be the new head coach of the Houston Texans. Of course, for people who are newer to the sport, I guess Demiko Ryan is recent enough that, that most people will remember that uh, he spent five, six years there as a player uh, before going into before he went to the Eagles and then uh, to becoming uh, a coach. Um, we are talking about the team who have both the second and 12th overall picks uh, in this draft, uh, two third round picks as well with that trade for DeShaw, uh, see John Watson go to the Cleveland Browns. Um, I, I think the first thing to say before on D'Amico Ryans himself, like with the stuff we've been doing from Tales from the Bay and with the stuff we've been doing with the the ball 49ers deal as well, spoken to a lot of guys in that defensive room and universally the positivity on D'Amico Ryans as a human being is, is kind of astonishing how calm he is as a leader, how brilliant he is at kind of leading by example, how he's been getting the best out of a lot of players, guys like, you know, a lot of the second year guys who were drafted late in the draft last year, like Talanoa Hufunga, how he's got brilliant performances at them. So I think we have said it a lot. There's a big difference between a great coordinator and a great coach. I think he, that he is, if nothing else, a great coach, whether he's a great head coach is yet to be seen. I do think there's a real opportunity with the fact that the Texans are going to be able to take a top tier quarterback in this draft, the first or second quarterback off the board, depending on if Chicago managed to get out of that pick. The fact that they are going to be able to then also take, uh, you know, one of the best non quarterbacks in the draft at 12 and have plenty of other picks to be loaded up with as well. And the fact that actually the Texans showed a lot of fight. I don't think they're a hugely talented team, but I think there's enough there that there could be a relatively quick turnaround in Houston. Like, I think it's a great hire for where they are right now. I just, you know, there's just going to be question marks over how quickly anyone can turn around the organization. When you look at them, Simon, and you look at the quarterbacks in this draft and imagine that someone's going to jump above them to grab someone. Yeah. So, who are they looking at, and yeah
2: what direction would should they be going, and would they sorry, be going i I think there's four quarterbacks in the draft that will go in the first round um, Bryce Young, who would be my number one i mean he 's undersized, but he has just got this inane pocket presence he 's just a great playmaker he 's just got that sort of joe Burrowy joe Montaner-y, tom Brady kind of. Just mindset, the extent, the ability to extend plays. He is small. He will probably measure in a roundabout or maybe just a tad under six foot. He's probably about 185 pounds, um, but he's got a good arm, not a great arm, but a good arm, certainly good enough. He is ready to play, and, and, and that would be my pick. Now, will a team move up to the number one spot? over and above Houston, Tate, and you look at the Indianapolis Colts, now uh, what Chris Ballard always likes is traitsy guys, and if you're looking for the kind of the Josh Allen, sort of Justin Herbert, alien, then Will Levis, the quarterback out of Kentucky, is absolutely that guy now. He's played two years in an NFL system under Liam Cohn and Rich Scangarello, um, so he understands that he's, you know, people will throw on the tape and they'll be like, oh, there's lots of incompletions and interceptions, and, you know, guys running in the wrong direction, what's happening here doesn't look very good, he's, he's this, he's that and I think, you know, whenever you do evaluation of players, you are projecting them to the next level. And you have to look at the sorts of throws that Levis is making with the players that he's playing with. That five no-star um, offensive linemen, no talent and wide receiver, no talent apart from Chris Rodriguez at running back. Um, so I think in terms of traits, that's something that, you know, somebody like Chris Ballard sitting there at four wanting to get his guy might move up. So I think Bryant Young's a perfect fit for D'Amico Wright. The other two quarterbacks would be Anthony Richardson of Florida. Uh, very, very raw, but insane talent, the sort of Cam Newton type talent, just easy arm that's a monster arm, quick, built like a brick outhouse, can can really run. Um, kind of second coming of Cam Newton and then C.J. Stroud of Ohio State, uh, another good quarterback who might fit with Indianapolis. I worry a bit about him outside of structure um, when, when plays go awry and he has to make plays outside of the pocket or on the move. But in terms of being inside the pocket and you, and you look at, look, if I was to put C.J. Stroud at Kentucky and Will Levis at Ohio State with all the players that, that C.J. Stroud has to, on, you know, when you look at not only in the past with Chris Olave and with Garrett Wilson, but with the guys they had this year with Jackson Smith and Jigbert and Marvin Harrison, uh, and those guys. You know, it, it, Will Levis would be the unquestioned number one pick in the draft, and everybody we were talking about him was like the Andrew Luck of uh, of this draft. If you put CJ Stroud in that Kentucky offense, would CJ Stroud be a first-round pick? And I think that's how you have to marry these things up sometimes. So for me, I think for D'Amico Ryans, it, you know, you get, you get someone like... Um, you get someone like Bryce Young and you can bring him in and make him the face of that franchise with the face of the new head coach with Nick Casero, and you know there, there's plenty of holes to fill on that defensive line. They've got a decent offensive line. They've got a good young running back. They need talent at receiver. They need talent at tight end. They need some defensive help uh, on all three levels. Another cornerback to go opposite Derek Stingley. They've got the 12th overall pick as well. You could take a Devin Witherspoon. There's lots of defensive line talent. So I think Ryan's in a really good place. And that defense has got some players. You know, there are some there is some talent on that unit, so I think um, you know, it shouldn't take him too long to turn it around. The staffing is always really important in terms of who he can bring in, um, but he's got the opportunity to really make a, a statement with the, with something Houston haven't had really since Deshaun Watson and and his legal troubles, which is to to really bring in a, a guy that you can build around a quarterback.
0: Uh, Laramie Tunsil represents such a huge amount of the cap, it as does Brandon as Well, and those both feel like renegotiable deals, and yeah. they. Uh... Third
2: plays so well as well that you know you have to keep it because he's just played consistently and at all pro level, you know, really throughout his career actually. But certainly in Houston, he's been phenomenal. So uh, it would be very hard to sort of, you know, to cut him, to release him, to trade him. I just think they they can't do that, especially with a new new quarterback coming in.
0: But they've already got good cap space that could free up a lot more cap space there. So they could, they could be very active in the free agent market. I think this is a huge off season for Nick Casario after they've done the back-to-back one and done head coaches. Like I am always, a, Mike, a fan of having a married head coach and, and GM situation. Hopefully they are two people who get on very well because that's what they will need to be. But yeah, I think there is reasons to be cheerful in Houston
1: it's funny because I've had the pleasure of producing that Niners thing with you for the last few weeks and we sent a video of the Niners last week 15 minutes long and Niners players management talking about how impressed they were with D'Amico Ryans and his leadership skills and the fact that Shanahan was dying to keep him in for at least another year and now I can't stop f-
0: asking people about him because I love him so much <laughs> like every
1: defensive player I talk to about talk
0: to me about D'Amico Ryans tell me more
1: but their reaction man they love him and it, it, like it's a massive loss for the Niners for a start in, in one sense and I'd love to see maybe the potential, could you see Fangio and San Fran, it's a different conversation, but there's a great podcast, folks, I'd recommend it, if anyone's watching this or listening to this, if you go onto the Gridiron social pages, Ollie Conley and John Lettard have done one in the read optional called Home and Home this week, where they bring up a very good point, there's no point in bringing in D'Amico Ryans if you're not going to focus, not just on the offense in terms of drafting somebody, but you need to bring in the right person as an O.C., They've walked well, interviews out for Bobby Slowick, the Bengals wide receivers coach, and also Anthony Lynn as well, who was the head coach of the Chargers. They need they need to make the right call there. As, as you boys have said, it's a huge opportunity. Get the guy in, work on it as a project, and give more importantly, give to Ryan Ryans the time that he needs to develop his
0: Texans team Um I love Lovey. I'm just, I'm glad he's gone, boys. It's Bobby Slowick, another guy who's been loved in San Francisco, uh having seen...
2: Troy, Troy Walters is one of them, isn't it? Troy Walters, mentioned. Uh... Uh, having, having seen Bengals, yeah.
0: go and McDaniels go, and now Anthony Lynn, who came in to replace McDaniels and has done a decent job this year, he may go. Like, it is amazing that the 49ers have created... Like, Shanahan and Lynch have, have got a really great record of... of turning these talents into viable head coaching and OC talents are then below that and everything else. There are, There is an absolute coaching factory for the rest of the league right now. But boy, am I bored of losing all those coaches every single year and having to replace them again. Oh, God.
2: Do you want a quick fun fact on Bobby Slowett? You probably know this, Will, but he spent three or four years, I think, working at Pro Football Focus? That is genuinely fascinating.
0: Like, that somebody... I mean, I'm not a PFF that. fan, but I think
2: that's quite interesting.
0: Yeah, I no, I think it is as well. I, you know, I, a, a knowledge and understanding of the game as an analyst. And then, well, it's funny, isn't it? Because uh, Carl Shanahan brought him in off the back of that PFF to come in as a defensive quality control coach, but he, um, the Rams went and hired uh, Andy Benoit uh, yep. after, yep. Uh, like, a, as a journalist, but as a tape guy, as a journalist. Like, it's funny that that's now kind of root into the NFL in in a weird way. Um, anything more you guys want to say on the Houston situation? I think covered not that. for me, Clive. Uh, Any other big I... news that we've not covered, Mike? I know you're more across the stuff. Than I am. I am currently
1: trying to multitask to put our picks from the preseason up here for a laugh towards the end in terms of news.
0: Oh, no,
2: stop here. No one oh, wants that. to. <laughs> my, my, my Twitter inbox doesn't need that shit.
1: I tell you what, Sai, I, I have to publicly say that the reaction to it was, was sensational. I like, f- like look, I, I had the Chargers going to the Super Bowl. So like,
2: I, I can't really say anything.
1: I have no other tidbits of news. I had, obviously... I, had the Ra-
0: I had the Ravens going to the Super Bowl. We've both picked teams there who are clearly talented enough to go to a Super Bowl and have horrible injury luck. That's all we're saying. You know. as, as, as with the 49ers, 49ers Ravens was my Super Bowl. If those two are healthy, they could easily be Super
1: Bowl teams. Say you had uh, the Packers against the Bills, you, you weren't well. Yeah, I mean,
2: I was quite a long way away. Uh,
0: the <laughs> I did see I did see somebody post something earlier about how the Eagles had the easiest strength of schedule by a country mile this year, faced a Giants team who probably shouldn't be in the playoffs yet, and only there thanks to coaching, and then faced the 49 ers hospital team. So, <laughs> <laughs> like. Well, Welcome to the Super Bowl, and facing an actual opponent is uh, is yeah. very much what it might be for them a week on Sunday. Yeah, uh, are we getting is the, are we getting Simon's Super Bowl pick? Is that happening? Yeah. he's not going to be with us in Arizona, which is genuinely upsetting.
2: Yeah, I'm genuinely upset too. I, I think it will be the Eagles. Actually, I think that uh, they're just too good. I think they're they're too good a coach. They're too good coached, too well coached. They're too good on offense. Uh, they can move the ball in different ways. They can throw. The quarterback can keep the ball and run. They've got a pro ball running back in Miles Sanders. They're three deep at running back, um, you know, with with Boston Scott and with uh, Kenny Gainwell, who's been excellent in the playoffs. They've got great receivers. They've got a great tight end. They've got the best offensive line in football by Miles. I mean, they've got a 10-man rotation on that defensive line. The, the, the four top sack guys have got 11-plus sacks each, 49 sacks between the four of them. They've got really good linebackers. TJ Edwards is a really good player, underrated. And on the back end, you know the the two best the best corner pairing in the NFL in Bradbury and Slay Chauncey Gardner Johnson who's an absolute stud and they're so deep with Kayvon Wallace and uh, and all those guys and Marie Blankenship and uh, Maddox and you know that they are so deep they're a good kicking game excellent field goal kicker in Jake Elliott. Um, and as much as I think Mahomes is amazing, Andy Reid is amazing. They put up twenty eight. You know, I know the Forty Nine ers were were short handed on offense, but they still had the defense. They put up twenty eight points on that defense. And Casey's D isn't nearly as good as as the Forty Nine ers D. And I think um, I think the Eagles will win. I think it'll be a really good game because when you've got Patrick Mahomes, it's always going to be a good game. But I think the Eagles will win. And I we've say- got,
0: um, we we've definitely got Mike Tannenbaum joining us on Radio Row next week, and I think we're going to get Scott Pioli as well, hopefully. The uh, There has been a lot of talk this past week about how the Eagles are the first team in Super Bowl history to return to the Super Bowl within a f- the same five-year stretch with a different head coach and a different quarterback. But nobody's talking about the fact that they've still got Howie, motherfucker. That they've still got Howie Roseman, who is the absolute Don, who just, like, the off-season work that he did to bring in Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, to bring in, like oh, our run game's a problem. Let me just go and sign the two two of the best defensive tackles in the league over the past yeah. 10 years. Who might Rindal be aging Rindal a little bit. But exactly. Like, and Dominic and Sue, I know it was against, again, the 49ers hospital team. But he had one play where he got into the backfield and got to the quarterback on Sunday where you're like, that looks like a man 10 years younger than he is. Like, that yeah. is amazing. And when you – it reminds me so much of that team that won in Minnesota five years ago because – you can't tire out a defense that every time they get to
2: substitute, they can take out the entire defensive line and not see a drop off. And the amazing thing about that defensive line, I was reading the other day that Jonathan Gannon plays 10 players a minute. They all play at least 10 snaps. The highest plays 36 snaps, played 36 snaps. I think against. I think it was against the Giants, actually. The highest played 36 snaps and the the 10th guy on the list played at least 10 snaps. The, the ability to be able to do that, keep them fresh, whether that's, you know, you can move Hassan Reddick inside, Brandon Graham. you got, oh, here comes Fletcher Cox. Oh, you know, and Jordan Davis, the, the first round pick is not even healthy. You know, you've got Sue, you've got Joseph, you've got, I mean, it's just crazy what they're able to do, um, you know. and, 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 and
0: Yeah. And, and it's the first team ever to have what? It's Sweat, Hargrave, Graham. Reddick all have ten plus sacks and no yeah. team's ever done that before.
2: Yeah, seventy Quite sacks easy. in
0: the regular season. The
2: nearest Crazy. team to them was on fifty-five. That's ridiculous. that's ridiculous. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And it might not even not be ridiculous. their best unit because I think the offensive line is their best unit, and that's you know that says it all really. So I'm not giving away I, my picks next I, week.
0: I really enjoyed people talking about how Joy, Jordan Mailata was the weak link on that offensive oh, line sad. because he's given up. Because, but the point is, is that. He'd start at left tackle for 25 teams in the league. 27 teams. I mean, he's literally a top five left tackle. <laughs> and 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 he's the weak link on that offensive line because he's the
2: worst of the best. But yeah, that I doesn't
0: mean, mean he's a bad player, I mean, mate. You, you,
2: you go across, right? You look at... He's probably the fifth or sixth best left tackle in the league. Landon Dickerson's top three or four left guard. Jason Kelsey's a first ballot Hall of Famer, best centre in the league. Um, Isaac... Um, Isaac um, Somalu is, the uh, you know, top seven, top eight guy, a- absolute worst and probably higher, probably top four or five. And then Lane Johnson's another first ballot Hall of Famer, best right tackle in the league. And you just like, it's crazy. You look at the 49ers' defense. There were times last week where nobody's making first contact till sort of three or four yards down the field. And that doesn't happen one or two plays. That happens like 16 or 17 plays. It's just phenomenal.
0: Right, I know we've got a wrap because Michael's got a bounce. So uh, it was fun doing a live one again. Uh, We can do this
1: next week in Arizona. For the crack, we can do it. Like we'll just do it like this and have a bit
0: of fun. uh, We're going to have a proper camera set up in Arizona, mate. We can do like we can fire
1: the camera onto this, have us on the main screen, and bring in Clancy. We can zoom him
2: in. Uh, <laughs> love it love the idea as I mean, always have like Mina kinds and people out there why don't you zoom me in when you've got actual proper people who can talk sorry
0: Mina it? just could you get off camera while right? <laughs> get Simon Clance done thank you uh, I had confirmation she's joining us as well earlier which is sensational Amazing. thank you so much for great. listening watching all that good stuff at Gridiron on Twitter at UK Gridiron on Instagram thank you so much for joining us and as we get to the end we get a little comment saying Harry Roseman deserves a lot of credit I agree Al Forest.
2: he does Al Forest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Thank you for watching and listening. This has been the Granite Show.